Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Anita Brereton is an experienced startup executive skilled at addressing the strategic, operational, and marketing challenges faced by high-growth, early-stage businesses. She spent over 30 years in the United States and throughout the Asia-Pacific, working with a range of technology and internet-based companies as a senior operations executive, marketer, advisor, and investor. Anita is the founder of Cabinet M, a discovery platform for the marketing industry. She serves on the board of Mass Ventures as vice chairman and is a member of Golden Seeds and Launchpad Venture Group. Anita is an advisor to Prosperity Candle and Connect to Communications. She also regularly works with startup companies as a marketing and strategy consultant, helping shape the go-to market strategies that enable her clients to achieve their marketing and business goals. And she recently wrote an incredible workbook called Attack Your Stack, which we're going to get in today as well. Welcome to Integrate and Ignite, Anita. Hi, Laurie. It's great to be here. Well, I tell you, I'm so excited to have you on the show. You have an incredible background with big company, big business, big projects. At what point did you know that you needed to start your own business? Well, all of that background in big companies started in startups. So I have actually been in startups all of my career, and those startups grew up into big businesses. So Uh I've had lots of experience working in the startup, have always had an itch to do my own thing. But um, having spent time in the investment world, I knew that finding the right thing to do was very important and finding a real problem to solve. So well, you did that. (laughs) It all came together in the formation of Cabinet M. Oh, I know, which we're going to get into here in a minute. So you've worked with all these incredible entrepreneurs. How do you define your own entrepreneurial spirit? I think I'm a problem solver. I think first and foremost, I'm a problem solver and I'm a very pragmatic problem solver. So, you know, when I see a challenge that needs to be addressed, that gives me energy. So that really is kind of who I am. Well, I tell you, and we need more of uh, those problem solvers. There's no doubt about that. I think that ultimately is at the crux of every entrepreneurial startup, right? I mean, they've got, they, they see something just like engineers, right? They see something and immediately know, okay, there's a better way of doing this, or this is an unfilled niche, or, you know, here we are, um, we're going to solve a problem. And you actually, determined that through your own experience uh, with marketing roles, which is Cabinet M. Talk to us more about the marketing stack and the problem that you're solving. Yes. So um, the genesis of Cabinet M came from my last position where I was an interim CEO of an e-commerce startup. And we were busy growing traffic and driving revenue. And I had a wonderful digital marketing team, but I saw how hard it was for them to find the technology tools that they needed to acquire and engage our customers. So that stayed with me. You know, as I, when I left um, that company and I realized how much the marketing technology landscape was changing and new tools were being introduced, I thought there has to be an easier way to find tools to test and try. And at the same time, while I was busy percolating on that, my co-founder was um, advising and mentoring new marketing technology startups, and she saw how hard it was for them to find uh, new customers because people were ignoring email and telephone calls. So when we got together, 
post my last job and decided, okay, there's something here that we need to, to do, we very quickly realized that we'd identified the same problem from two different sides. So the genesis of Cabinet M was really to help companies find the technology that they needed. But as we did our market validation, as any good entrepreneur does, we spent <laughs> six months talking and talking and talking to marketing teams of all shapes and sizes. What we learned is that yes, finding the tools was a problem, but an even bigger problem for those teams was managing all of the tools that they had. And many of them felt like they had lost control of their technology environment. So imagine you're you know, the head of a marketing department, you have no idea what your team is using for tools and technology. And then at an executive staff meeting, somebody says to you, oh, and we're gonna task you with running a digital transformation exercise for the whole company. Well, if you don't have a baseline, that there's no path forward. So right. that became the, the bigger picture for Cabinet M. So today, you know, we say that we have a platform to help marketers take control of their technology environment. So we're really all about helping them manage what they have and then finding the other technology that they need. Well, and uncover what duplicate technologies that they have. When you and I had our pre-show discussion uh, moons ago now, we, we talked about the fact that uh, we had uncovered that we had uh, three separate go-to-meeting accounts, four separate box.net accounts. I mean, and, and the list goes on and on and on. So it really helps you find and, and manage inefficiencies as well. It does, and save a lot of money. <laughs> which is the explanation point to that statement. Exactly. One of our um, early customers in six months were able to identify half a million dollars. Wow. That they could eliminate. And That's comes, incredible. You know, and to your point, it comes from those places. It comes from having um, duplicate contracts. And, you know, so yes, you can, you can ding yourself for having duplicate um, go-to-meeting contracts, but imagine if those contracts are for products that you're spending a quarter of a million dollars a year on, you know, so it, it's flabbergasting. Yeah, it is. Um, to see the, the level of um, multiple contracts <clears throat> and then redundant platforms. So it's not unusual in an organization to see, say, more than one email platform. But when you get to five and six, you have to ask the question, do you really need five? <laughs> That's so true. Now, as we, we've defined, you've worked with a lot of startups. You now have, um, you're, you're not in startup mode anymore, but let's kind of take you back here to the years that you were starting up and, and those challenges. From a marketing standpoint, you know, there's no brand awareness, there's no budget typically, um, and no one running market. How did you, or marketing rather, how did you make it through those days? And what, have, what did you do to elevate the brand then? And what are you now doing to really create a strong market penetration? So we did two things. So first of all, you know, in full disclosure, I'm a marketer, my co-founder is a marketer. So we brought those skills to the table. And we realized early on that a lot of market education was needed. So we very quickly aligned ourselves with the people that are currently industry influencers in our industry and kind of leveraged their position for introductions and speaking opportunities. And so we've worked very hard to be thought leaders and educators. And at the same time, you know, part of what we've done is catalog this whole crazy world of the marketing technology landscape. And 
So when we started the company, I think common wisdom was that there were about 750 technology tools. Well, fast forward, you know, four years, and we now have 9,000 in our database. So the, the landscape... That's huge. <laughs> and the landscape itself has exploded. But what that's done is given us a lot of content to share with our peers in the industry and to help create awareness for us. So, you know, we're very much a go-to site for the marketing industry when they're looking for tools. And we don't charge for that. People can access our directory free of charge and poke around to find the tools that they need. I love it. I tell you, it, um, it becomes just such an important tool. So we have, you know, the litany of different choices here. And what something that I love is that you've positioned yourself as a subject matter expert, not only in the solution that you provide, but ultimately, you know, a resource, a resource guide um, to take for agencies out there to take a look at all the, you know, the litany of opportunities that are out there. Along with that, um, as the, your brand has grown, and as that influence has grown, you have been able to integrate and deploy a uh, a larger marketing approach. Can you talk to us about what that, that, what that approach is? Yes, certainly. So I'm going to talk about it from two levels. One is the um, strategic level and the other is the technology level. So from a strategic level, we really are focused on thought leadership, being a resource and, you know, getting as much information out there that we can to help people. So that's, you know, it's a combination of speaking opportunities. I have a monthly column in CMS Wire, so I'm writing all the time. Um, you mentioned early on in the in the introduction, we've I've just written a workbook to help marketers think about how they build and evolve their stack. So very very content centric marketing opportunities, and we're actually going to go back and ex start experimenting with traditional direct mail because my thesis is that people don't get so much mail in their offices anymore. Right. And we might stand out. We're going to try and see, see if we can make ourselves stand out with um, some very traditional old school direct mail. I also speak at a lot of conferences and that's a great environment to meet prospects. But let me move to the technology side because I think one of the things that's very interesting is with a, you know, a database of 9,000 products to choose from, you know, how do you choose the products that are right for you? In an early stage startup where money is tight, you know, you really have to think about everything that you commit dollars to. And you have to be able to say, okay, if I'm going to try this and it's a monthly fee of X, what is the expected measurable outcome? And if it doesn't achieve that, then you have to cut bait and move on. And so I would say it's fascinating. Today, we have, I would say, 40 products in our own marketing technology stack. Many of them are free. Uh, some are paid for. Um, that help us do our job really well. So, you know, one that I'm very excited about at the moment that we've just implemented is Drift, mm. um, which is very much an intelligent um, chatbot. But what Drift gives us the ability to do is to let somebody book a demo with us without having to get on the phone with somebody or go through an email process. Like they can book it directly on the site if that's nice. what they're doing. And, um, so we're in the early stages of implementation, but we're very excited about that. And then for me, for me personally, I couldn't live without Canva, which is um, a free graphic design tool for, for people that don't know Photoshop and Illustrator <laughs> products. And that's one that we decided was worth paying for. So we went from the free to the, the paid version because it helps us save time because we can upload all of our brand colors. So, you know, what I, 
I think the important message here is that whatever stage you're at, there's a set of technology tools for you. And then obviously, as you grow up, those become increasingly complicated. Well, and again, you know, the main, the main benefit um, of the product is that, you know, there's a, a control issue here. You know, marketing teams don't want finance coming to them and saying, why do we have five of this? You know, you, you need to be able to, to maintain that control. And certainly the brand awareness that you're creating, the thought leadership um, that you're pushing out there really, really helps uh, illustrate the need. There's no doubt about it. Now, something um, that we talk about quite a bit at Avocet, and I know that you have thought about this many times throughout your marketing journey, is a concept that we refer to as competitive intercept. And competitive intercepting allows a brand to intercept a customer while they're engaging with the competition. Can you provide us an example on how, you're, you, how you've utilized a, an approach like this for Cabinet M or maybe uh, in a previous CMO position? Yeah, I, I can because some things that are, are happening that are interesting at Cabinet M. So initially, you know, I, I never say, um, when I'm an investor, I never say, that there are no competitors. You know, there's always a competitor in every environment. In our case, that competitor is a spreadsheet. And I love it. Yeah, it's so we, true, right? What we say is, why are you managing 21st century tools with a 20th century technology? That's kind of our message around the spreadsheet. But there are a lot of tools that are emerging today that really go after applicate spreadsheet applications, you know, that spreadsheets weren't really designed to do. So in terms of a competitive intercept, it really, that for us is not that challenging. When we get to the right person, they're usually fed up with their spreadsheet. They're struggling with the size of it and the complexity of it. So they're looking for help. But where I think we're doing a really good job at an intercept, and it's not necessarily a competitive one, but is in environments where companies have acquired another company or two companies are merging. If we watch for that, we know that the next step is going to be rationalizing two very separate marketing tech stacks. Mm. And so for us, you know, that's our intercept point. We right. be at the point where the companies are starting to do that. And then, you know, we provide a very, very effective solution for that. I love it. And, and that's just smart salesmanship too, right? Yeah. Um, it's really um, taking a look at the low hanging fruit, which could be a huge contract. That's right. That's exactly right. Now, we as entrepreneurs have challenges that we face, um, you know, day in and day out. Uh, can you share a challenge uh, or a situation that happened and, and you made the tough decisions and now that once horrible situation or memory serves as an invaluable learning experience and moving forward? Yeah, for us, it's a continuing one. I think, you know, the reality is it's very challenging for women to raise venture capital. I think the statistics show that only 2% a venture capital goes to women-funded businesses. And if you layer on top of that, that my co-founder and I are older entrepreneurs, you know, we have that magic combination of gender issues and ageism issues as we go out to fundraise. So I will say that fundraising for us has been the single biggest challenge for the company. Having said that, we did manage to raise the money that we needed to build and launch the platform. We raised just over a million dollars. Um, and to put it in... in um, in perspective, a comparable company to ours, whose name I won't mention, they don't do exactly the same thing, but they're in a synergistic space. To get to where we are, they raised $11 million. Wow. So we've done it on 1.2. 
And, um, but we reached a point where we looked at each other and said, you know what? There's no point in just continuing to beat our head against the wall. And so we're going to pull back. We're going to drive revenue. We're going to heads down, focus on the customer. And then we're going to wait to go back out to raise money until the numbers speak for themselves. So that's what we're doing. And we're managing very well. And sure, it would be lovely to have capital to build a marketing team and a sales force and add more engineers. But we're succeeding on our path. So we had to pull back and we had to let some people go. And we had to get the um, monthly expenses to a place where we could support them without capital influx. And you know what? I'm so glad that we did because we feel like we have control of our own destiny. Our customers are all very happy with what we've done and what we're doing. So, you know, it, it feels freeing not to be beating our heads against the wall every day. Yeah, I love it. You know, I uh, spoke at Longmont Startup Week recently uh, with a bunch of female entrepreneurs regarding, you know, this very, very problem uh, with capital being such a low percentage uh, for women-owned businesses. And I think it's worth noting that we're taking into consideration, you know, the stats of all of all women um, that are requesting capital, not just the percentage of uh, women that are starting businesses compared to those that are started by men. Um, and there definitely is that huge discrepancy. Do you know why? Well, so here's what the studies show. Yeah, a, a lot of it is just plain out discrimination. But here's what the studies show, that 70% um, of the women that do raise venture capital raise it from firms that have a female partner. Hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the female partner is excited about their business. But the fact that a firm has a female partner suggests that they're open to diversity. And sadly, they're, you know, less than 10%. I think the number is maybe closer to 6% of VCs are women. So, you know, one of the things that has to change is there has to be more women in venture capital. That want to do it. Yeah. That both want to do it, but also, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The discrimination is there mm. from the get-go. And that's where it all comes from. It comes from misogyny and discrimination. And until that changes, I think it's going to be an uphill battle. On the you know, positive side, I think the more women that slog through this and become successful role models for what a business can be run by a woman, then the better chance we have at kind of shifting the tide. Because, you know, one of the things that I've observed over the years, you know, VCs pattern match. And so, you know, you remember the days, the early days of Mark Zuckerberg, where everybody was looking for entrepreneurs that were wearing hoodies. And, um, <laughs> you know, or you think about the right. big trends, right? We had that big, big data movement. And then we had the AI movement. Now it's blockchain. You know, so the VCs kind of swim like a school of fish. So if we can give them enough evidence that women-founded businesses do well, then I think that will help to turn the tide. And that's part of my mission. Well, I tell you, something tells me that you're definitely going to make, get that message out, amplify it, and make a big difference in a lot of female entrepreneurs' lives. Um, so we're closing in toward the end of the interview here. I've got a couple more questions for you. And that is, you know, a process, uh, an idea um, that you've implemented that if business owners and their teams could consistently apply every day would compound into big wins for them. Focus. I think focus. Focus, focus, 
focus. Every day I sit down and I write, what are the three things I must get done today? Because I think when you're trying to multitask and do a lot, there's things flying in from the left and the right, and it's easy to get distracted, particularly in a startup environment. And so I make sure that I at least get those three things done every day. And the other, then, then the second part of that is, you know, keep everybody connected. So we have um, regular meetings where we just share with each other where things are going and why they're going in that direction so that everybody's marching in the same direction. I love it. I think I know what your answer is going to be to the next question. Uh, if there's one thing that you want to be known for, what is it and why? Well, for me personally, it's all about being a good person and having good ethics because I think that, you know, that's very important in my life. I worked in a business situation where the CEO did not have good ethics and was not a good person. And I learned that that was really important to me. So all through our journey at Cabinet M, we have tried to be and, and have made a, a focus on being good people and treating everybody with ethically very well. Well, I tell you, you have treated us today well on the Integrate and Ignite podcast, Anita. I am so excited to be chatting with you and have learned so much about the importance of a marketing stack. And I do want to mention this. Anita is going to provide all of our listeners today the, the free download of Attack Your Stack, uh, which is their new ebook. And you can uh, go ahead and obtain that by texting Stack Workbook to four four two 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 again text stack workbook to four four two 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 thank you so much for your appearance on the integrate and ignite podcast thank you Lori. this episode is complete but the inspiration has just begun head over to avocetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.